mean, everybody knows me as Peg. <laughs> oh, Peg. Okay, well, I can say AKA Peg. What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Sequoia Blue. We are back in here with another episode. It is Friday. We got a special guest. We got Phantom Electric Ghost, AKA Peg. He has his own podcast, which is amazing. I was actually on there and I talked about my musical journey and we had a really good time. And also, I like his eclectic style. He has some cool music. So, Phantom, go into, go into that journey of how you, like, when did you start doing music and when did you determine yeah. your genre and all that good stuff? Well, you know, I'm 55 years old. I've been a musician since I was 17. I was in high school with my brother who played guitar and we had a band we called it NXT Next. And we were influenced by like everything. Uh, we were we were into like, it's like 1979, 1980. And we were listening to like Joy Division, New Order, it later came out of Joy Division. We we're listening to, you know, punk music, Clash, Sex Pistols, like everything, you know, everything coming out of CBGBs. Um, and so I was very much into like, like everything from wow. jazz, Sun Ra, Stevie Wonder, punk, you know, Johnny Cash. It's like everything. My, my, in my house, my, my brother was seven years older than me, so he was listening to Zeppelin. My mom was listening to the Carpenters and my dad was listening to James Brown and, and uh, you know, Motown. So I was getting all different types of music and I have an appreciation for pretty much all of it. So wow. after my bands broke up and I went to college at Bowdoin College, I'm a, an IT guy, my day job, but uh, I always kept my music going. <laughs> you can see like, this is my, my expansive studio. Yeah, I was like, this is impressive. Like, and you keep it old school too. You you keep your, what do they call it? Cause I'm like- Hardware sense, uh, okay. kind of dollars recording. I'm, yes. I'm a I'm a hardware synthesis. What that means is I use I don't I mean I have I have an Akai Force. It's like an MPC, right? I've got some modern tech that's more like, uh, you know, using Ableton Live clip-based stuff. But I am kind of an old school guy. Back in the day, back in you know in the '80s, we used reel-to-reels and Tascams, and I had like Casio CZ101s and early Roland D5s, and. Uh, I've continued to do that. I have Junos, I have three Moogs, I have a bunch of like Euroracks and multi-tracks, multiple multi-track recorders. I like to capture things directly into multi-tracks that are right near my sense. And it, it kind of came from this idea of, of, of being in those bands back in the 80s and we didn't have computers. And I liked, when I got my first Tascam or Fostex, I liked the fact that I could, I had to play the song until I actually learned it. Oh, wow. you know, I, I actually had to track it and I, by the time I was done I was putting the bass line in, putting the drums in putting everything in <clears throat> I would know the whole song by the time I was wow. done and That's and I neat. still like to re record that way <laughs> yeah you know what you gotta go for what works like I mean because you said you feel more like it's easier for you to create using the hardware versus the DAO the, the logic and all those yeah, those yeah. popular yeah. softwares huh well my but the, my my Consolation for that is I use my Akai Force and it, it actually will, it's a, like a dawless DAW. <laughs> so it, it, the Akai Force is, is a machine that has a bunch of pads and it basically has a bunch of plugins built into it. And right now I've got like all kinds of like old school plugins and I got like ARP 2600s and Odysseys and uh, Mellotrons and stuff. But I can write music totally inside of that, but it creates a, a clip based. Ableton doll-like thing that I can actually work with other people if I want, if they need to, you know, when I run into a producer that works with that stuff, then I'll use my Akai Force to do that. Uh, but I like to do wave files, you know, just wave files off of my, um, my, my Zoom R20s and stuff. Uh, wow. Just because like what I got into the ghost, actually I was on SoundCloud in 2008 and I was doing what I called expansive sound experiments or sound paintings and it didn't have any vocals and then one day uh in 2008 I, well i got i got a i got a roland uh juno and then in 2016 i got a jdx oh. yeah i Wait, got you was in juno the movie yeah i have a juno that's what the big thing back there oh. the top, one on the bottom is the juno on that three-tier thing that's the juno right there Oh, but, um, I just thought the Juno the movie. I was like, wait a minute, you're acting oh, too? Okay. Oh, no, no, not the movie. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, did I see him in there? No, no, I wish I was. But, that um, means you could play some music for him. 
but uh so what I, I i decided i was doing all this you know i've always i never really sang in any of the bands i was in there was always like a, somebody else singing. i would write the songs and i was like a, a, the primary songwriter of most of my bands but i never sang until oh. 2016 i finally it was like being keyboard magazine i found this role and called a jdxi and it had a mic that was the one of the things i liked about it, it had a mic it had a vocoder and it had a vocal transformer inside of it and so they, they quickly explain that i'll actually just do it is the vocal transformer when i first used it i tried using the soprano voice on my male voice and then i got this so josephine electric showed up and i was able to do this voice and i said wow like i can actually do this voice in real time and i was like wow i could take a bunch of stuff i was working on and um you create a female character that's a ghost and i was working on this science fiction story and i said oh. hey what if we could actually take her character and actually make her a member of the band like the gorillas has these fancy characters like oh, within wow. the gorillas band i said what if i could do that in real time and not just do a cartoon i could actually do it and then i you know when i do it live i, I wear this mask and all right people, now yeah people can't tell that, you know, if I'm male or female, because the ghost could be male or female. That was yeah. the idea. And so I'm back to normal, but that started the ghost. And, and, and before I was doing Josephine, that was Josephine Electric, is who I ended up tagging that, that character. I was only getting like 3,000 plays on SoundCloud. As soon as I started doing that, I jumped to like 30,000 and 70,000. And I'm like, wow. 18,000. Wow. And then it's like, so it actually you know my sound paintings without vocals weren't getting that kind of reach and mm-hmm. at the same time in 2016 i started doing the podcast so i had two tiers and i ended up like said well i'm going to interview musicians because i'm a musician and producer and i'm gonna that's gonna kind of feed back to people saying well who's fan of and then they check out my music and it was a good way of doing both and yes. uh <laughs> that's how it, it is happened. a good idea <laughs> No, I love it. I love the story. I mean, that's amazing because I was always wondering how did he come up with a phantom electric ghost? But it definitely stands out and in, in, in the industry. And what would you say your genre is? Because I listen to your music, and one thing I like about you is that you push the boundaries. It's not something typical. And as well as I push the boundaries myself, so when I listened to you, I was like, oh, it, did, it made me feel like, oh, someone else understands the art of this. Like it's not just about. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, my my whole thing was the idea of expansive sound. Like when I first started it, the idea of expansive sound is I could, I, if I wanted to channel Johnny Cash, I could. If I wanted to channel Funkadelic, I can't. If I want to do something that's like Yes or or like uh, Genesis or Hendrix or Funkadelic, I could go in any direction I want. And so because of that, being a keyboardist, you know, you have a very wide palette if you learn how to play different genres. And I'm like, wow, it's like, why should I just be limited to one thing? So if I feel like doing hip hop based music, I could go that way. If I want to do a trance song, I could do a trance. If I want to do a real like rock type of song. And and what I did all the time, you know, since I started the band, I, I've been a frustrated guitar player. Well, I wasn't very good on a guitar, but I found a way to get my Roland, my Juno, to actually combined with my modes to actually sound like guitars. Oh. And that's one of my key things is, is the people really think there's a guitar player in the band. It's all keyboards. I, oh, I wow. Use, okay. I don't use guitars at all. And so and people say, well, how do you do that? But I said, well, because I always wanted to play guitar, but I could, I'm a better keyboardist than a guitar player. So I found a way to get my sense to channel guitar playing. And so then I can do punk type of stuff. I can do heavy metal. I can do leads. And then I can still put my funk and my drum machines and all that stuff on top of that. So I can go and I can play piano stuff where I just, you know, I can layer it. And I've always been into, you know, things that are more progressive. You know, my songs are usually longer than two minutes. Some go seven, eight, nine, (laughs) ten, twelve minutes. (laughs) And I think it's amazing because you release a new song every week, right? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I write a lot. (laughs) Well, see, that's great. I mean, because, you know, do you think IT, working in IT, because I also am in IT. I don't know if I told you that, but that's my day job, too. So that's ironic that we're both in tech. But do you feel like tech has helped you in a way open your mind to experimenting more with music? Because I felt like it did for me. Yeah, because I've always been on since, you know, from the start. 
I was, you know, back in the day, like I used to go to Guitar Center and look at all these synths I couldn't afford and then try to get the ones that were broken and fix them um, to get them. And, 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 and basically over time, I collected a lot of stuff. And what I found was, you know, as my bands disappeared, my, my interest in technology actually worked with synth really good because synthesizers are very technical instruments, you know, yeah, compared to most chill. instruments. You know, and we, we, you know, my sense, I actually do sound design. So, so what that means is like some people get a, get a keyboard and they just take whatever patch it has, right? My synthesizers can create sounds from scratch, from waveforms. So wow. part of what I do when I start a song, most of my synthesizers can, you know, I have some sense where, okay, I need a piano so it can be a piano. I need strings. Like, so my Juno is, is a big bank of sounds, like 1300 sounds in it, but it can change all those sounds. But it can start with like a piano. So if I want to play a piano, I don't have to go create it. All my other sense can take waveforms like square waves, triangles, sine waves, pulse waves, and start from that wave and create something new. Now, there's an idea they had to learn. Being tech person is the guy who invented most synthesizers in the U.S. Uh, in the beginning of the, of the synth age in the 1950s was Robert Moog, who created the Moog. And, oh. Uh, he also created the theory behind how you make sounds with the mode called subtractive synthesis. So subtractive synthesis takes a sound wave and then subtracts from that wave through filters and harmonic manipulation of the signal through um, envelope generators and all kinds of different tools and actually wow. turns, transforms that into an acoustic instrument or something you never heard. So you can take a, like a, a, a square wave and make it into a bass. You could take a triangle wave and make it like into a bell. You could take a, oh, sound, wow. a sound wave and make it into a, like a wood block. And so given certain characteristics of waves, you can blend them and you can warp them and you can fold them and you can do all kinds of things that will get close to real instruments. So mm. it could get close to what a Hammond sounds like or what a Stradivarius sounds like or what Man. a sax sounds like. And you go and you build your own instrument. And then I start from there and then work on the songs and I have drum machines that make my own beats. I have uh, keyboards that can come whole drum sets and I can actually play that whole keyboard like it's a drum set. And the other thing about a synthesis synthesizer, um, when you're a synthesis, is you try to mimic the capability of an instrument, right? So when I play a, like a, a violin, there are certain behaviors associated with a violin, like you can strum it, you can strike it, you can use the bow. And so synthesizers will try to approximate some of those behaviors. Oh, and neat. So, so some controls with pedals and different switches, I can approximate using the bow. I can approximate plucking it. I can do different things. Like I'm, when I play a guitar on my Juno, the, the pitch button wheel can go up and down and right to left, and I have different foot pedals. When I go up and down, it will modulate, which will actually sound like feedback. If I go right to left, it will pitch bend. If I take my finger down the, uh, and slide it down, down the keyboard, it will sound like I'm sliding down a fretboard. So there's certain behaviors that are built into some of the sounds, like Roland created this thing called Supernatural. That so every instrument has, has behaviors, and they try to match those behaviors. So like breath on a wind instrument, it can do breath control. You can do like tongue oh. control. You can do all kinds of things. So you can sound. And so if you're playing a wind instrument, you don't want to play endlessly. You want to play like, okay, yeah, a human being would have to take a breath. So if you're actually going to yeah. play a sax part, you need to think that, oh yeah, I can't just play endlessly. I'd have to take a breath. So I, I had been a wind instrument player when I started on clarinet and sax. So I kind of know that. But the mm. whole magic of being a synth player is I can go and try to be a guitar player. I can try to be a drummer. I can, you know, I can go and, and, and learn how a flute plays and, and then try to mimic that behavior and that style. And it's fun for me because then you, you become like, you know, in an orchestra, you're learning like oh. every instrument and you so start that's to really interesting. Dive, dive So like it. basically you can kind of, it sounds like you can do more stuff with the old school equipment than the logic and the garage band and stuff it seems like it's easier to even mix with because i noticed like me just learning stuff through garage band now it's like it, it's cool but it's like it's almost like you really have to it, it takes time to learn to be great to get the beat you want or to get the mix you want it definitely takes time but when you describe what you do it's like you can it's kind of hands-on more so where you can just 
just click it here and then see okay how is this pitch right here and then and then pick yeah. this drum like you can it's literally yeah i think i'm starting to think old school kind of trumps the new school in a way because the way that you can it's just so much more you can do and it's easier to do like it's you know especially if you're well, technical too but you well, can I like the, more. yeah one of the things i like about my old school instruments is they have tons of controls so so if i look at my moog it's like like 90 different controls sitting on the panel right now that could be intimidating if you don't know what it means like but i bought these things and i own them i've been working with them for like 15 years so the cool thing about these synthesizers since they have so many upfront controls they're not buried in menus and i don't have to click a mouse all these things are on the panel so what we as synthesis say is i can play the controls as part of the instrument, not just the keyboard can I use. Like it's like if you ever think about somebody who plays like a Hammond B3, they got the draw bars and they've got their foot pedals. So they've got a lot of different controls on, a, on an organ. Well, synthesizers are beyond that. Synthesizers can have like hundreds of controls on them. And so when I play one, I can actually use any of those controls as part of the performance. And in that way, it's never gonna be the same every time I do it, approach it from like knowing what that's going to do to the wave, I can use that in the performance and do all kinds of strange things where portamentos and decrescendos and white noise and different, you know, you know, what folding certain waves will cause certain behaviors. And once you know what something's going to do or an idea of what could happen if you do that, you can use it in your performance and it becomes like something that i have a hard time like using some of the more modern stuff that's just kind of you know kind of cut and pasting and moving things around but not really having the control i have of the waveform i can totally control my sound to such a degree that it, it's very customizable and it feels like however i feel so if i go to play i like being able to have that variability of you know however i feel like in a miles davis mode I can go there if I feel like I'm in a Hendrixian mode. I can go there if I want to play like John Bonham that one day and be on the drums like John Bonham. I can do what I want. And wow. I have such a big palette that I don't have a lot of restrictions. And then I don't have to depend on software. My oh, synths yeah. are, are don't depend on being on the latest version of Windows or iOS. Oh, I've got yeah. that, 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 you know, they're, they're not dependent on that, right? So they they will work even if the computer crashed my modes will still turn on my rollins will still turn on i can still get them to do what i want if they did an update i won't be locked out because the update or i didn't pay for the firm pay for the subscription like i don't have to depend on that these things create sound because that's what they do yeah that's 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 a good thing to note because i had to get this hard drive with two terabytes in it or whatever because i was just like i had no space i kept running out of space and all this stuff so i had to do that just in case something happened i can always have these songs and i had to figure that out so that definitely makes sense now do you submit to movies and tv shows as well yeah i do have some licensing through like vampire uh, and some other places like through uh you know i'm actually a bmi and I actually got some of my license for music for Twitch. That I had a deal with Twitch. I got a range so gamers can use my music and stuff. So I do, I do, I try, I try to do that. I'm, I'm actually in the process. I got about a bunch of songs there in consideration for projects that I've been, you know, that I put out there through through different uh, capabilities I've done. But um, yeah, I, I submit as much as I can. Uh, but I, I'm always working on something, you know. I do have like an example for my latest album, Trash. Where you can kind of hear that guitar type of sound I was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So let us hear an example. Yeah. So I'm going to bring this up and hopefully it's going to share the screen. And hopefully we won't have any trouble with it. So I'm going to bring it up. Oh, this yeah. is from Trash Wave. And hopefully you see it. Not yet. It's probably coming. Oh, it's on the. Oh, it's on a third screen coming up. I just had to. You see it? Did it come in? Yeah, it's yeah. like on an extra third screen. So let me add the. Yeah. The third screen's coming up. So if you're able. Oh, there to... we go. So we see it right yeah, here it on the side. <laughs> oh, that's deep. Oh, you there? Okay, so. Oh, okay. So Should I'm gonna make. Up. Make sure that. That does it right. Wait a second. Yeah. Can you hear me? 
Yep, yeah, I, I just want to make that. sure that it's actually going to play it. But there's something I got to check for a second. Um, yeah. Let me see if you... Let me leave. I'm going to play it now. So tell me if you hear it. Okay. Let's see. You hear it? Yep, I can hear it. Did you hear that? Yeah, I heard that. Okay, I'm going to play it. This is the song called... Yeah, the drums. So... That that is um that initial drum is from an analog drum machine from Moog that I created the, the the drums for it. So those drum sounds are actually sounds I created, and then there actually is an analog drum machine uh, from Moog. And then uh, the guitar you're gonna hear is coming from a Roland Juno GI with a Moog Mother 32 peggy backed on it to give a digital signal and an analog signal at the same time to give it more kind of weight. But I'll I'll play it right now so you can hear it. Damn, I wanna hear it and I want it. Damn, I wanna do it and I got it. Damn, I wanna do it and I got it. I drink it down like a And I'll, I'll pull it out. Um, but um, kind of interesting is that I can actually do that live. That's not like a sample. That's not me uh, pulling from some guitar player that played it. I'm actually playing those guitar lines. And this is through on my the Vogue. Oh, the and, synthesizer. And, and okay. when I play live, oh, this that, that well, the the drums are the Moog, but the the guitar is actually a Roland. It's a Roland oh. Juno synthesizer that actually can channel PCM um, type of uh, synthesis that can replicate a guitar. So Roland has a technology where they try to replicate instruments through synthesis. They don't sample, they actually make their synthesizer try to match a guitar sound. And then that synthesizer has like 15 types of guitars like Les Pauls and Fenders yeah that was the Oklahoma. bomb like I like the flow of it I can hear it in the movie like you know someone's dancing to it and it's just like this vibe of just like this like you know just spinning in a vibe dancing to it I mean it just gives you that vibe you know <laughs> you know that's why I was like your, your music is just amazing because like I said it's like we need more people that are just different and pushing the the envelope and and showing different styles of music you know it's exciting but the thing there is, like, by the time that Trash Wave is the new album came out February 10th, and that song. Oh wow! Congratulations. Um, <laughs> thank you. That from Trash Wave and Come On is is a is kind of a cool thing. Is it, like I, for many years I did not like using my male voice. I used uh, Josephine's voice from the beginning of Fam Like to Ghost from 2016. All the original albums had Josephine up front. Um, it's only in the last uh, two years that I started using my male voice and I started using mics like this one, uh, which is like a 512 audio, really good mic. And then I use this uh, this um, company called Still Use Microphones. They make these analog preamps that I used on that particular song. I used um, uh, like a, a studio electronics mic with a analog preamp called a launcher. And um, and it, it it made me feel confident to use my male voice, 
as I started using these type of this type of equipment, then I started like exploring what I could do with my male voice versus my Josephine electric voice. And then they got songs like that. And I was kind of channeling a little bit of Michael Stipe type of REM type of singing in that song because I, I do like REM a lot. But then I, I I had like an industrial beat coming off of my Moog DFAM. And DFAM is a, is a machine called a drummer from another mother. <laughs> That's oh, wow. actually what it's called. That's what it's called. Because uh, like Moog made these series of synthesizers that we, we call Mother 32, Drummer from Another Mother, and then Grandmother. And so they called them all mothers, right? They all, for some reason, you know, that, that was a smart wow. And so the DFAM is really unique um, in that it creates these kind of really industrial sounds, but they don't, it doesn't sound like an 808, and it doesn't sound like a 909 or a 727 or a CR78. Those are a bunch of rolling drum machines. It has a unique sound. And so I have access to a lot of rolling drum machines and I have a bunch of rolling stuff. So I can de- do CR78s, I can do 909s, I can do 808s. Um, but a lot of times I like using the DFAM because the DFAM is the cool thing about it. It has a restriction. It, it doesn't have MIDI. It only oh, uh, can use like a quarter inch into a, a multi-track. It doesn't have any way to bring it into a DAW unless you get a CV to MIDI converter, which I do have. But um, it also is limited in what it can do. It can only do eight steps at a time, which most drum machines can do way more than that. And you say, well, why would I pay any money for something that can only do eight steps? But the thing about it is over time, I've learned how to manipulate what it can do because it, on the DFAM, it has this big patch bay of all these things you can override. So even though it has eight steps, you can go and make it do different things by introducing like uh, low frequency oscillators. So every time it runs through the eight steps, it does something different on a step. So then that oh, makes wow. it feel like it, it's different, right? And you can actually have uh, random voltage generators trigger stuff. You can, I have a, a sampler and I can take the rhythm in my Eurorack sampler. I could take a rhythm and have that rhythm drive the DFAM. Now it'll go through and do eight steps, but every time it goes through, it will do something different because I might be taking a three minute rhythm sample to drive through controlled voltage what that what that drum machine's gonna do. And so by by you by figuring out how to take the limitations and take advantage of it, it's kind of like this is where my IT head comes in, was like, oh, I can yep. take the machine and make it strange stuff. And the cool thing about it is I don't have to pay for the beat. I can just mm. use all this, all this like, knowledge of how subtractive synthesis works, and how these machines work, and then apply kind of this feel and heart and what I feel at the moment. And a lot of these machines, the way you use them is you put your recorder on and you just record the whole session, oh. and then you go back in and then you then you might edit where you move things. Then I can resample my own stuff. So I might do like an hour, uh, like a jam session record it all onto like my masters and then the cool thing about a lot of my equipment is my equipment has the ability that every input can get its own stem so i have mixers that can do 16 to 24 tracks and even if i had a bunch of things all happening at once they all get their own track so wow. when i go back and listen to it i can go and bring it into like i have a touch screen on one of my mixers where it allows me to do like doll-like behavior. I can actually go in and see this grid of everything I just put down. And then I say, hey, you know, two minutes into it, this is really the hook, or this really should be the intro. And I can take my finger and then move it on my mixer to the beginning, just like in a doll. But that's, but it's that's, really, that's interesting. But I it's didn't like even right know that. My, it's right on my instrument, right? So I use this machine called an R20 that has a touchscreen, touchscreen multi-track that allows me right at my instruments to make those decisions so I'm not at the computer. I'm at right next to my keyboards. So mm. when I go to write something, because I'm next to my Moogs or my Rollins, I say, oh, you know what? I need to replay this bass line. Or this gives me an idea to add another bass line on top of something I did. And so because I'm right there, I, I don't have to go and, and, and try to do it on the grid. I can just go on my keyboard or multiple keyboards that I have. and it's, make decisions right there and i've always liked the ability kind of kind of like in the 70s if you think about going to a recording studio if you had everything set up and somebody's on the mixing board 
people could just you know like the beatles and all these bands like you know cream they would just try things and put it down and recording engineer say oh yeah put that down put that down put that down that's what i can do i can kind of do like a 1970s type of workflow that's which amazing. i find more productive for my process but that's the way i am that's amazing i mean that's good i think you have a whole setup and a process the way you do things which i think is can make your art even better because at this point you're doing it it's like you're putting these pieces together your own way you know it's it's, it's really it's really interesting so what has ai impacted like has ai like motivated your work more or have you got into artificial intelligence like all the new softwares out especially for music oh, too there's yeah well some of what i can do is some of my machines have have artificial intelligence but a lot of my sheet machines are doing like uh kind of old school random voltage and random random type of generator to use uh you know lfos or envelopes or different things to trigger things so i'm kind of old school where i like to use uh you know the kind of nature of my machines to do it i kind of do machine-based randomness right so oh, wow. ai will go and randomly pick things but i have machines they're based on you know 60s 70s technology that can do randomization but do it with like analog circuitry right so wow. you know so so it's not doing informed stuff the cool thing is like some of the new rollins have these, these things called intelligent arpeggiators or intelligent uh, accompaniment systems that okay so you on a modern juno or modern jupiter from roland you can go in and start playing turn on the intelligent arpeggiator and it actually will figure out what drum would go with that and as wow. you play it will change it's not like casio it's not like just doing the same thing it actually starts putting in drums that match your chords and match your treble hand and then you can actually go and say well add a bass line and it will put a bass line that matches the, the structure of your song and it will start to add all these parts Well, I might I might have needed that for whiskey. <laughs> What was it? <laughs> Trying to get the tempo and all this stuff right. Like that song was, and it's crazy because I figured out the tempo was 120, and then you you know I started messing around with it, you know, because it was like I think there was an intimidation from losing a doll system for years for me. But then I kind of was like, no, I got to sit down and figure this out. I can't just record, you know, I want to learn how to make beats because I have these songs in my head. I don't know the technical jargon for some of this mm. music stuff, but yeah, yeah. it's just in my head. Like I'll hear a beat in my head and I can hear it when I write a song, you know, and it's different from when I write a song to another artist, I mean, to another beat. So I think, yeah, so that's, that's one of the things. Um, but that type of tech is really cool on the Rollins. You know, there's other companies that do sim similar stuff, but uh, Roland has been really big about taking this kind of intelligent arpeggiator kind of tech technology. I mean, I, I saw something where I think part of the problem with some of this AI is there was this DJ, and I won't name him, but he actually went and took uh, Eminem's voice and, and had the AI say that he loved trance. But Eminem never said that. Oh, went, yeah. He, And then he went and had him say it. Now, I potentially, as an artist, I might not agree with that. Because what if Eminem doesn't agree with what you had him say? Yeah, and that's you not put good. That into a song, and just because you can do it, maybe you should get clearance before you do that. And I think this is where some people could like they could take like the essence of another artist without permission, and instead yeah, inject that's... it into your song and then their song and then not pay the original musician. <laughs> Yeah, that's been a big concern with, concern with AI right now, like just stealing art or, you know, just the, they feel like they're taking away the authenticity from the artist. I mean, I do believe in more, you know, forward mobility because that's important to me. Like, you know, I'm a technologist too. Like it's a part of my life and, you know, I just feel like we have to move forward too, but it has to be a way to where it can work in both ways. But I think you gotta, I don't disagree that you can have it, but I think people yeah. should get paid if you use it. They should, they should. I agree on that. And the you NFTs, know. they have a good way. Like if you, I don't know if you did a music NFT yet, but I, yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm I did. Working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> you should, because NFTs, like it's, it's, you know, it's easier. You're in the blockchain. So it's like harder for people to steal your stuff. I mean, of course, if they steal it from your wallet, then you're in trouble, but you got to protect your wallet. But mm -hmm. I think it's a good thing for artists as well. Another stream of income to where, oh, yeah. you know, and of course, it's still promotion involved. Don't get me wrong. 
Like mm-hmm. I always feel like artists should, if you're trying to do this full time, you should learn marketing because that's one of the things that's important. Because what do we need record labels for? It's just their resources, the the marketing, the money. Really, they're like a bank. So, but if you're already doing your own thing, you could just be independent and Definitely. and push your yeah. own music. So even if the label might not like this music or they might not like you know that artist's music, but it doesn't doesn't matter because. You are independent now. We're in a good situation right now. We can just put out anything we want. And if you learn marketing, then you can make some money. The streaming side, you know, like, I mean, what are your thoughts on, like, the streaming royalties and what's going on with that? Because I know a lot of people are upset. They're not making Well, I'm kind of upset that, you know, one of the problems, I'm a podcaster. My podcasting royalties are way higher than my music. What now? <laughs> you know what? That's true. Let me not act like I don't know that. Let me not act like I don't know that. Because and I just problem- thought about it. <laughs> And the problem I have, you know, when when you're on a spot Spotify platform and you're this name check the guy like Rogan, right? Rogan, that's fine. He's getting all that money, but that's yeah. an, a music platform, and they're getting a lion's share. They're giving all that money to a podcaster, right? And I'm like, I'm a podcaster too, but I'm like, why is all that money going to the podcaster when music ever since Napster has gotten devalued? Yes. People don't seem to appreciate you know, a YouTuber could get a tip or like a $20 tip but getting somebody to pay $20 for music no, nobody that, wants to do it, it. it, it no. that's because of the devaluation of music and I have an issue yeah. when a music platform is paying a podcaster more than a musician and a lot of musicians have that issue I mean, Neil Young had that issue there's yeah. a bunch of them that have that issue because I think it's, it, it doesn't seem that you care about the arts if that's what you, you're going to do you need to make sure that musicians can actually create and not just the top tier who are doing billions of streams get all the money right you yeah. need to make it so independent artists can actually make money so you yeah. need to be able to, to monetize and and to offer ways to get their music into films and merchandising and and they should be at the front of that not they at the should. back of that not making the artist responsible for all that they should be assisting you know they should be helping yeah them, i just know, feel like when <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I just, I just feel like they should uh, put art on a higher pedestal because I feel like, for instance, tech is up here. You know, you talk about tech, it's like people are like, whoa. You know, you say you do music, you're like, they're like, okay, all right. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's a non-artist, right? Some non-artists. It's like, come on, they're both equally important. You know, mm-hmm. because music is an asset, and I don't think people understand that. So, yeah, because I mean, a guy like Dashy, I love watching Dashy. But he can make a lot of money where musicians are struggling, where they used to be able to, you know, make money. And now it's like, even back in the day, you were getting 10 cents from an $8 album, right? So you're always getting a crappy rate. You know, back in the day, even the Beatles got a crappy rate, but they sold millions of records. So it's like, the the, the thing is, like now the rate is like, what, 0.0506 of a penny per stream? You got to do billions of streams to make money, you know, and the only way you really make money is, is on tours and merchandising and licensing for movies and films yep. and things like that. So that, you know, that's what I've been working on. I mean, my real, you know, my Instagram reels make me more money than my Spotify money. Oh, you're, you, you did they get right. you too? Cause they had I'm, gave I'm me, I had made like 50 friend. bucks one time for Instagram reel. They, they, they told me, and I'm like, well, can I do this every day? They won't let me do it every day though. I don't know. Oh, oh! I did on Facebook. They got mad at me and said I repeated something of myself. But I really don't think I did. But I'm, oh. on reels, I'm still good, uh, and I'm in the star program on Facebook, so I can get stars. So, oh wow! You know, I, so I started getting monetized, you know, and I, my Instagram channel, I can do subscriptions. So I mean, that's how we can make money. Like if I have people yeah. subscribe, I can make more money than my music. And if I get people to give me stars, I make more money than my music. If I get my reels, can make more money than my music. And my, wow. you know, right now, you know, I'm, you know, through podcasting, I'm making higher royalty rates through my podcast and through like influencer deals that I get, you know, I'm, I'm sponsored by like Newsly. I'm a featured podcast oh, on Newsly. So, so I, I get things like that, but, but it's just disappointing that like an album like Trash yeah. Wave is not making me the money that my reels from Trash Wave, though it's the same music. Like I do a reel from Trash Wave, it will make more money than the song. Now, the reel is a video version of one of the songs. And I, I go and I spend a lot of time making videos of all my music. Most of my songs I have videos for. 
And the videos, is it like a, um, like, what type of videos do you do? Is it like a cartoon video? I know I've seen, like, the audiogram. Is it like a, what type of videos well, do. do you? I do, like, if you see my Instagram, if you check them, like, there's a lot of videos oh, besides awesome. And um, a lot of them are created with a style that is kind of like my expansive sound style. I take multiple iPhone apps, um, like EFK, take EFKT, Video Leap, Animoto. I'll take a bunch of one. I have a bunch of webcams. I have my iPhones, wow. and I will take film of me playing, or I'll take film of me outside, or film. I take film a lot of original stuff. I bring that film into my all these apps. I'll bring it into one of these apps, and then I'll use a bunch of filters and tools on those apps. Then I'll bring my music into that video leap and make it the soundtrack to the video. And then I'll layer it with maybe four different passes of multiple apps that throw tons wow. of different things in. And it becomes kind of just kind of, a lot of the videos don't actually tell the story, but they're kind of like psychedelic. They're like very. Oh, I think I've seen it. Okay, now I remember. I've seen one of your videos. I remember yeah, they're now. Very, they're very visual and they don't actually tell the story, but they have a lot of weird visual thing cues in them and I can use them and they actually work as, as a, you know, I get income from the reels and what? the stars and stuff. I, I might I have to be it. a little bit more aggressive with my reels because it's crazy. It only paid me 50 bucks for like five reels they put me on and then I was like well can I do this every day and they didn't I don't know why it didn't show up the next day that I could do it again so no. I, I want to I don't know how that works but I guess it depends on how good the reel did but I wasn't yeah, really I just, thinking, yeah. <laughs> I just would start putting them up like I just schedule I I do like you know try to do four or five a day um and I the thing is I have a big catalog of stuff going back to 2016 yeah, you have a lot of songs. Well, I have a lot of stuff. I don't know what. Like, you're get, getting me. Like, I'm sitting here like, I got to get to it. That's why I'm working so. Like, you just motivate <laughs> me, man. Because I want to do. I My goal is to do it one song a week. That's what I want to do, you know. Because um, I got so much songs in my head. I can watch a movie and come up with a song. I can. It's just it's just crazy. Like. Well, I think what you know? How, how, you know, helps is if you see all those instruments behind me. This is in my bedroom. So oh. I made it, you know, all this stuff is like right next to me, right? And it, since I've been, you know, when 17, I was always really into having playing. You know, I, I started on wind instruments and then I realized I couldn't really write on those. There you can, I did write like jazz songs. But then, oh, then right. I said, well, I want to be able to do better. So I started buying synthesizers and sequencers and multi-tracks and I always had them in my bedroom. And um, I just, uh, just because I have access to them, then you use them. And so it's like, you know, if you, if you have to go to the studio, but if your studio is like right in your house. It's right you, in my room. That's the crazy yeah, thing. My studio, I have, so this is crazy. <laughs> I have two stations. So I have a tech station, which is, I call it the tech station where I do my podcasting. I do my IT work because I work from home. So mm -hmm, it's too. in one station. <laughs> I know we just, <laughs> I knew, I, I, you know, it's funny because I kind of thought you was in IT. Like something told me, I said, this guy might be in IT. But I didn't, I, I didn't ask because I didn't want to pry and be like, what's your job? You know, but, yeah, yeah, but yeah. now I know that my intuition BSA. is right. Well, BSA, <laughs> acronym BSA, if you know what that is, I'm not what I am. BSA, okay. Business System Analyst. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Actually, I like that one. Cause I'm an application engineer and it's, it's cool. It's like API pulling API, which that's another thing you can make a lot of money from on the side. If someone was trying to do yeah. that, but business systems analysts is that's pretty, that's pretty big. That's good. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a career level job. So my, I've always told people like my day job is, is as an artist is, is probably not what you would expect. It's a career level professional position I've been doing for many years, you know, and I work with like big Fortune 500 companies. I, I, I actually design policy administration systems for insurance companies. That's right? what? So, so oh that God. is very stable and it's it's pretty good money. Um, and do you feel like it's like your record deal? Because I always said tech became my record deal. Like, yeah, well, that's it's not a million dollars, but it's my stuff. <laughs> yeah, they're not giving, but the tech, the, even the record labels aren't giving a million dollars anymore like they used to. Like, yeah, yeah. it's, you know, some tech people that I've met make up to 300000 4000 a year. So it depends on what you're doing. So it's yeah, a lot I'm of not, money. I'm not, I'm not hitting that. I'm in six figures, I'm not but I'm not, hitting, I'm, I'm not hitting the 200. I'm in the, you know, like the, the mid range. I like would love six to figure, hit but under 200, but, you know, but. Well, look, that's, um, that's good money, though, man. That's, 
It's not bad. I mean, that's how I got all this tech. <laughs> so you get to do all this stuff. That's the same thing with me. Like, and that's the thing. Like, can't you? Do you agree that two things can be true at the same time? Like, someone could have a job in tech but still be fully into music or entrepreneurship. Like, a lot of the guys I know, a lot of the synthesis I know are IT guys. You know, a lot of the guys. If I t- find another guy with a Moog, he's usually an IT guy. Because right? to understand yeah. a Moog. You typically got to be. If you under if any any synth that you is not just presets and rack you're programming it, most of the guys I've run into and the women I've run into that do this actually are tech because the only way they know how to use it is because they from a because if somebody's not tech they're like well, I don't know what to do with all these dials and all these buttons. Yeah, like, yeah. I have to, you know, I know how to wire my stuff. You know, my stuff. I can the cool stuff. But the thing about why I like my stuff that's like the non-digital world because <clears throat> I'm in a digital world every day yeah. and I kind of backed into the analog because my sense actually have wires that you can rewire the whole freaking thing There's the whole idea of these old 70 cents they have this idea called controlled voltage so on these cents have patch bays that allow you to override the workflow of the whole scent which wow. I find really interesting so I can take it like synthesizer workflow goes from left to right from like the filter down to the amps and envelopes it follows like a left to right structure but these synthesizers when they built them when robert moe built them and this guy um dick bukla and in san francisco they came up with these ideas and said well you know what if the work what if the main workflow is not optimum what why, why don't i allow people to override my workflow and so they created these patch bays that allow you to take wires and change the way that wor- the system works you can actually like a like a telephone operator taking <clears throat> take a switch you can actually change where that signal goes you can jump steps you can go backward steps so you can go make it do what it wasn't designed to do and i find that fascinating being in the 19 and then it creates really that's why i call my stuff expansive sound experiments because i feel like i'm a scientist rearranging yes, you you are to do, to do what they're doing <laughs> yeah i mean that's a that's crazy man that's amazing because it's it's so many ways to do this and it's like that and i could hear the scientists in your music when i listen to all your different songs i was like yo this is cool and i remember when when we when you were working on whiskey and you put it on you created this track for it i was like it was like cool i was like this is so different but then i was scared of it because i was like well I know I'm not singing on, you know, on the key. <laughs> and I said, well, how would people go about this? And it's it and it wasn't so much about the people, but so much as I wasn't used to it. I was like, how, mm-hmm. you know, and then, but I still think it, it was kind of cool at the same time. Like, you know, you know her Bjork, like someone, yeah. someone one time yeah, compared to Bjork. Yeah, it's And I don't, I don't yeah, know if York, I'm yeah. similar yeah, to Bjork too much, but I don't think, but I do like Bjork. I think she's amazing. And I like how she, t- pushes the envelope too and i said to myself i said i might i might do something like that i might do like a test like release the one that you did on soundcloud then release the beat i make up or something like that and just have different versions because it's cool to have different versions of a song anyway like i always said i want to start doing that maybe do some remixes stuff like that so just just have fun with this yeah because there's a, there's a whole style like a lot of what i'm into is like very experimental like bands like craft work like early prince is like the thing about prince he broke the rules all the time it's like you think about dirty oh, mind yeah. and you think about like when doves cry i mean warner brothers didn't want couldn't have a baseline <clears throat> same thing with kiss they said it was a demo they kept on challenging him and a lot of his stuff was not what people were doing his stuff was not following the normal process. He had things without baselines. We had things that were very demo-like, and and he and you have to you know give give it to him that he he had his vision. And a lot of stuff like I'm into like you know the Velvet Underground, or like Crazy Horse, or like you know um, you know Yellow Magic Orchestra. I like a lot of experimental stuff. And then when you get into experimental music, a lot of times they play with polyrhythms. They play with dissonance. They play with different timing changes. So there are there is a school of like advanced to like you know modular synthesis where people are doing very a lot of stuff that's very discordant, kind of like fusion jazz. If you listen to like Miles Davis when they the band goes off, and then they come back, jazz has a lot of points in it where you go off the beat. You know what? You come, 
I just thought about that. That's true. Yeah, That's so true. you can make that work. You might have to work on it more, but there's a lot of music that purposely goes off key or goes off off beat. But today we live in a kind of so beat focused world. People have forgotten that you have the freedom to do that. Yes, and and that's the thing about being independent is that you know versus being with a record label, which we've heard stories. You know, there's times and my twenties almost got with a record label. Like, have you ever <laughs> been through an experience with a record label and then yeah, trying to yeah. mold you? I, I I actually been on a couple labels, and a label is coming after me again. Um, but <laughs> um, the experience I had was the three labels I went on, I did better than them. Like my independent Phantom Electric Ghost albums that I've been putting out since 2016. In a lot of cases, I actually had more plays on my own projects than the three labels I went to who told me they were going to do a better job than me. And they didn't. And so there's one of them that came back to me and I'm like, wait, I did three songs with you. And they just came back to me like last week and they said, well, we really love your stuff. We worked with you before. We want to do it again. So my problem is you guys told me you were going to do this and you never did it. I gave you the music. You said this. I did everything you told me to do. I actually did better on my own albums that I totally did independently. And so my problem with them is like, if you're going to tell me you're going to do it, I said, if you want me to come and do one song with you, because I write so many songs, like, yeah, I can give you one song. Because I have so many songs. I got two more albums scheduled for this year that I already finished. But it's like, so, so it's like I, I have I have, I have a song I could give them. And they have a song they want me to give them. But my thing is like, you give me a plan on how you're yes. going to sell, get this 100,000 plays or get this on a play. Show me what you're going to do. If you can't show me that, I'm not doing it. And yeah, so that makes sense. So it's like, you know, because now I get labels that do come after me. They're small indie labels. I work with the Swedish label. We did this album, Family Life, that goes to EP. And we, um, they actually got me some good press. They got me a, like a review oh, neat. Of, um, of, of, of one of my songs. And uh, we got a, we got compared to like Trent Reznor and uh, Pretty Hate Machine and stuff. So we got, we got some good press. But we still, we got some pretty good numbers. We got like maybe 40,000 plays. Wow, was, that's good. It's not, it's not bad, but you need like, a million plays. So yeah, they, you do need they, a million now. So they did pretty good, and then I, but I've actually hit like seventy, eighty thousand plays on some of my stuff. I did myself. So my whole thing with them is like, you guys did good, but you told me you'd do better than me, and I've been able to do more plays by myself than what you did. Dang. So that the problem I have is like, you better, you got to show me. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. You know what? That's true. And then also, you know, you want to make sure because a lot of them try to take your publishing and stuff. So, you know, and I know, you know, some artists, they're just so anxious to do stuff that they don't look at these, these contracts to get a proper lawyer because you don't want to be famous and then have no money, you know, or look, you know what I mean? So, and it, you know, because all the work you put in, all the time you put in, so it is important for artists to just make sure the plan is copacetic. Make sure it goes with what you're trying to do. Like that's my advice yeah. to independent artists. That's why, like a lot of my best music is like been self-released. And and the thing is, like I did give good music to these labels. Like the biggest thing I ever, I was on this one label for like a year, and we did a single, like two singles, like every month for like a year. And um, they just didn't really get any traction with them, and they said they were going to do this and that. And I gave them really good stuff. And I did hold off on a bunch of stuff. So I had, at the same time I was giving them a bunch of stuff, I went and and, and built an album that once the contract was over, it was gonna go a year. I, I had my own set of stuff that I was saving for that record. But I still felt like I was putting out good material, some really good stuff from that time period. And um, so I just tried to put, you know, the good effort in. I didn't try to give them substandard material. But you know, a lot of what you do is like, I just write so much that some time to time I can afford to, to give a chance, but I usually only give them, that was that one company, I gave them a lot of songs, I gave them like 24 songs. But wow. you know, in my catalog, I've got thousands of songs, so 24 wasn't. Dang, you'll do good on Broad Jam then, you know, Broad Jam where you can submit for uh, movies and TV shows and video games. Yeah, I just games. started. I just started looking at that. I had some problems with their interface for some reason. It wasn't working for me, oh, but I got, I got to play with it. 
yeah it's um it's a really good site you can submit to so many songs i mean sit to submit to so many movies and tv shows i submit too but i need more music actually i don't have a bigger i need a bigger catalog because i only got yeah, like what, I four, only got like that. 14 songs that i've <laughs> ever done and that's ridiculous because i have way more songs in my head like i got so well, many i think what you gotta do like a lot of times when i tell people like i've talked to artists and i've interviewed like 350 artists but a lot of people will have hundreds of songs in their back catalog and then they'll put out like two or three of them and put them together or put 10 of them together. And what I try to tell people is like, you're not always the best person to decide what you're, what should actually go out. Mm. Right. So a lot of times musicians yeah. actually don't pick the right song. Right. You know, so a lot of times it's good to, to comfort at a strategy where you have Twitch and you have, uh, where you have all these uh, like, uh, all the TikToks and all these like shorts and all these reels, since there's so many places you can send stuff now, that it's not a bad idea to kind of do like throw the fly on the wall and then see what sticks. Because kind of Prince was in that mode where he was writing all the time and he was putting so much material out, and he still had stuff he couldn't get out. But but the idea to me is like like don't you don't always know what the fans are gonna like. You might think you know. And a lot of times when you ask artists that I've seen lots of interviews that they actually picked the wrong song that A and R people picked a better song than they did. Oh, like, what? Like, That's a shocking. Bands, a lot of bands actually, you know, you know, on their albums, they didn't pick the songs that the A and R people picked that actually worked. The songs they liked didn't weren't the songs the fans liked. And so that wow. tells you sometimes that maybe in this world where you are independent, that maybe you should release as much as you can because you, you don't always have a good idea yourself of what, what's going to work and let your fans kind of decide what works. Yeah, and I, I agree on that one. And enjoying the journey and just keep putting it out and having a good time at the same time because that's important. Keep a positive attitude about it, you know, and don't compare yourself to anyone else because this is it's you. It's you against yourself. And you get better as you grow because the more you record and more you do things, you just grow and you get better. And it's just it's just amazing. But um, before we wrap this up, I just wanna I wanna uh, ask you what's your favorite quote or saying that you go by? <laughs> well, there was this um, quote from uh, Moog where he felt like his synthesizers have some kind of consciousness and that you can tap into it and have this like unlimited playground to work with and i thought that was really interesting it's interesting that us that an inventor who built a machine is talking about kind of a muse he's talking wow. about this cosmic thing that usually would be considered kind of like oh that's kind of hippie like that's kind of like esoteric and why would somebody who's a scientist an engineer a doctor dr robert moog an electrical engineer phd is saying that he felt that when he built the modes, they were had a connection to something that was higher than like mechanical. They actually had a consciousness. And I thought that that was really cool, and I've kind of felt. I believe that. That um, I I tap into it when I use those synths. I can feel that they actually have like character. That, they, that if I don't try to tame them, if I let them be what they are, I let them kind of tell me what I'm gonna write. And if Ooh. I let go of trying to control them, then I do better as a musician. <laughs> I love that. So do that's a good that's a good question though. Do you feel like music is spiritual? Do you feel Very like much. there's frequencies and then you feel this energy? Because sometimes you're drawn to do something, you get this idea. And I definitely feel like our ancestors do work through us and it's just certain things. And you'd be like, Well, how did I come up this not it might not be your story, you just create this song. You're like, How did I come up with that? It was from yeah, we I feel channel. like our ancestors worked through us and we channeled through yeah, channel through channel, these things we channel the universe we channel the, the every experience you ever had or are going through as a musician all your influences all your spirituality all your emotions and the best music <clears throat> is the kind of heart soul music right because when you connect when you get a song that universally connects it's because somebody tapped into what like pete townsend said there was this thing called the universal key Right. And he's in the hoop, but you know, he felt like, okay, there's this universal key. And as a musician, I'm trying to reach for this universal key that's going to actually 
and it's not one single note it's just this like idea that's going to connect with people so if i hit these universal keys people are going to vibe with what i do and i think that's what happens when you see a musician and a big festival crowd all like vibe into the same to this these frequencies yep. it's because you hit that universal key and and when you hit that that people respond to it and they, there's a universal understanding no matter what language it is because you hit that note and that note is like is it's in the universe and it actually triggers certain behavior and certain feelings wow i love that i love that yeah speaking of performing are you got any shows coming up or I'm focusing right now primarily on online shows. I do do online performances usually every other week or weekly when I can. I actually do online rehearsals that turn into concerts. Basically, I do on Facebook, my YouTube channels. There's like many, many of them out there. Um, I'm probably going to go live this weekend sometime. Uh, I won't know when I'm going to do it. I kind of do it when I feel like it. but when I when I get the kind of I will definitely be live this weekend on on my YouTube channel, which is nice. forward slash at family the ghost. At some point, I'll go live and I'll I usually will play like an hour, brand new material, and oh. um, that's what I do. And uh, eventually, you know, we have played in New York and Boston, but we're not ready to do that uh, in in, the, in this environment so far. But eventually, we will go back to to doing those live shows that we used to do in 2017, 2018. Um, but um, for now, we're just all online and, and support of like Trash Wave. And, hey, that's uh, still good. Album, hey, still getting out there. And the next album is Josephine Electric. We're actually doing an album called Jos- titled Josephine Electric. It's all her voice, every song that comes wow. out in March. That's exciting. I'm so congratulations on all the success, man. You should have yourself a glass of wine for all this success that you got going on. And also the reels and stuff. That's good information for artists that are listening that need to figure out how to market. That's actually a good idea. I actually need to do that. I'm just, <laughs> I kind of just, I should be doing that myself because I'm the techie person. I know how to create this stuff. I just don't do it. But that was, you, you put a little fight fire in me to go ahead and start doing that. So that's good. And, I mean, uh, we should have you on our podcast again whenever you want to. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, the other leg of what we do is this podcast where we interview like emerging and independent artists all over the world and we've been doing very well with the podcast is actually you know but we're, we're we, you know people say oh are you doing a podcast going to interfere with the music it's like well we've got three why do albums people do that, though? for this year <laughs> so i don't why think do you people, did it. <laughs> you know but why do people think that i'm trying to understand because you know it, it I, I, you know it seems like different people are getting this but it's like why do people think that three things four things can't be true at the same time like there's time to do stuff like if you schedule your stuff out you can do a podcast for an hour you say this is on this two days or three days a week i'm doing this podcast for an hour and after that you can say after that i'm working on this for an hour like why doesn't nobody get that but if you tell someone i'm watching tv all night they get that but if you say oh yeah (laughs) you know people who are creative tend to be kind of creative and like you know, in, in, a, in a very dynamic way. And I, I found that it, it, I just have a lot to do. And yeah. what happens is like, okay, if I'm working on a song, if all I did was work on songs, I'd be like playing all day and then I'm gonna get burned out. So the yeah. podcast kind of interrupts, it gives me a break in my creative process so I can go back to it. And then everybody, I think when you're a creative person, it's good to kind of take a break. And because yes. I, I have these scheduled breaks to do podcasting, and then the other thing about the podcast, it people go and say, well, who's that peg? Who's who's Phantom? Who's Keith? Who's this? Right? And then they check out, no, not only does he have a podcast, he has this catalog of all these songs. And then I, every time I do a podcast, people go through my catalog and I get people listening to my music. So it's better than a bot. It's better than like a lot. It actually sends people into my channels. And See? so I found that just being out there as peg, as Phantom, I get traffic into my channels because I'm constantly engaging. And yes. so, and then I get connections. Like you, like I get to work with people like you. I actually had an artist yesterday said they were vibing on what I was doing. Now they want to do something. And wow. I collaborate a lot. You know, I actually, I'm in the middle of a bunch of collaborations right now. That's one amazing. with a Japanese um, producer um, and some other producers um, that just like dig what I'm doing. And, and because I put it out there, things happen you know so my, my whole thing is like don't don't like keep it to yourself too long 
um like if you're an artist like throw it out there put it on soundcloud put it on youtube you'd be surprised what happens yes yes and i love it and that's that's why i continue that's why i tell people get just put it out there get a distribution company get with one of these distribution companies because i'm with united masters i like it it's pretty cool and just push just have a good time with it don't think so much on the outcome and what people just put it out there have fun because this is what life is about that's what we do so i want to thank everybody for uh, oh wait a minute before we go can you tell everybody where to follow you find your music at like yeah yeah I mean, so I'm going to put the a, show notes too. But. <laughs> well, we have our website, familyelectricghost.com. <clears throat> um, but you can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Apple. You can find us on Amazon. We do like it if you go to Apple Music or iTunes or Amazon and actually purchase it there. But we know people don't do that. So we're we're on all the platforms. You just type in Family Electric Ghost. But we understand like on Apple and um, Spotify, there you'll find the podcast. But there's also the profile for the music so you'll find both profiles and you can choose which ones you want if you're more into podcast you can watch our podcast if you're into music you can check out our music love it all right everybody you heard it and thanks for tuning in i want to say if you're anybody out there dating this is the month of valentine's day go check out my car game dating assassins card game go and cop it because it is the bomb and it will help you get to know that person that you're either get to getting trying to get to know or that you're currently with because dating is tough y'all so <laughs> that's my little plug in there so go ahead go datingassassins.com y'all and thanks for tuning in please subscribe and share thanks peace thank you Thank you.